This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. Welcome back to the episode of Manifest Mindset. We're here again with Nick and Bob. Nick, something important just happened this week for you. Uh, how are you doing before we yeah, get into great. that? I'm uh, great. So, everybody, the important news is one minute ago I got a phone call from Bob and now I'm here. No, I'm kidding. I mean, that was important, too. <laughs> but uh, this week, earlier this week, I had a big interview uh, for the Spine Fellowship Program I've been applying to. Um, it, was, it was good. It was we get the process getting ready for it. You know, it's, um, it's always fascinated me, the game time, game day mentality, where we have all this immense preparation, whether it's athletes or anybody in general, and it all comes down to a certain moment. You know, for some people, it's a, you know, it's a 10-second sprint, right? It's a world-class championship to prepare for the last eight years for that 10 seconds, right? For me, I have many of those moments that aren't quite as monumental. But in some ways, it was a lot of preparation for a, 20-minute interview with a large panel. So it's, it's always fascinating, Bob, for me for this mentality of preparation behind it for when your opportunity does come because it's not always there. But, again, it's better to not have the opportunity to be ready and to have an opportunity and not be ready. Yeah, of course. And just to, I guess, give a little summary um, to those who are listening and not aware, Nick, he we were talking about this residency for a while, for a couple podcasts, episodes now. And Nick has been going through uh, a residency program after physical therapy school, and he's applying to a fellowship for the spine um, after this. So generally for a physical therapist, there's an optional residency, then an optional fellowship after that, which Nick is pursuing, and, and he sounds very passionate about, and he, something that he, he wants to do and, and loves to do. So that's where we're at right now. Nick just had an interview, and he's been talking about preparing for it, um, uh, coming up with different interview questions that they may ask, uh, talking to different people, networking with different people, finding out, uh, I guess, the ins and outs of what to expect or interview to, to give him the best chance to get accepted into the fellowship. But do you say that that's along the a good yeah, vein? Yeah, I, I say right along the line, Bob, and, you know, in a very similar fashion to how you're preparing for your residency um, interviews and process coming up in your own professional development while you've got this big old looming thing at the board to head. So we're not forgetting that in this episode. We'll get back to that soon. Um, yeah. But it was it was a good experience, you know. Uh, Monday morning, it was game time. I spent a lot of Sunday just kind of reflecting. And similar in school where, you know, I do a lot of studying and everything, but I, I don't do a lot of cramming the day before. Uh, the day, day and a half before, it's really just – more of an afloat state mindset, getting a kind of a review, a summer to area, redefine my priorities, um, and really be more reflective and let myself be more free-flowing and not scripted. And it's worked out really well for me the past and continues to work out well here. Um, and so, yeah, I was preparing for it. Um, but really, the great thing about it, Bob, was it boils down to the similar kind of questions that you and I talk to each other about all the time, about you know, what is your larger vision? vision. So when I take this fine fellowship opportunity and they ask me, you know, why should we choose you over anybody else? I can give direct things about who I am, what I value, my own life experiences that have led me this way this far, what that can offer that can be to this program. What am I going to do with the gift of this program that's given to me 
that vision and being reminded by others to tap into that vision. And that's what they want, a lot of what they want to hear in the interview um, for what, how we're going to give back and what we're going to be able to do while being a new player and our own leader in this. Um, it was great because the better I get at some of this stuff, Bob, and the more I realize how I'm, I'm not perfect by any way, shape, or form, but also the more I realize that it's all interconnected, right? The things that make me good and a viable candidate, all this other stuff make an impact for the things I would want to be doing anyway for myself. I think ultimately that's how we know we're chasing after the right opportunity. When you're being rewarded and incentivized for the things that you would want to do for your wholesome self anyway, that's how you know you're chasing something worthwhile and fulfilling. Yeah, no, that that's awesome, Nick. That, that's so much. I just hear all this like passion and excitement from your voice. Um, there's actually a, a quote that I saw today. It was, I think, some very similar to what you just talked about of how, um, well, one sentence you mentioned. It was, I think the quote, I'm going to totally butcher it, but the quote is, if you say you know everything, there's so much more for you to learn. I think that was the quote. Um, but that, that, was, that was interesting, uh, especially to hear from you, Nick, because um, a lot of people, uh, I guess, a lot of people look up to you in terms of physical therapy, in terms of being a motivated person, a person that's disciplined and organized. Um, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast look up to you, Nick, and hearing that is is very humbling from you. Um, And also, to add on to the point you were mentioning uh, about how you're practicing talking about what we talk on this podcast um, for the interview, I would argue that in like this this podcast itself is a form of practice of of telling i guess your beliefs and your stories that impact a lot of areas of your life and my life as well and i think i think you've owned that well too where you know you were the one earlier on even earlier than me talking about you know the art and the power of good storytelling and what that can develop people um and you certainly practice and trial that repetition um and i agree it has made me better in so many ways. It's not just, as some of my mentors have said, the past is not just preparation for this one facet. It's preparation for life. And that's how we know we're chasing after something wholesome. It's just it's preparation for life. We're not over-anxious, worried about future. We're not, you know, worrying about all our past impressions. It's just we are in the present. We have a little ounce of preparation for the future, just enough reflectiveness to keep us having perspective so that we're good to go. Yeah, and no, that's awesome. As, as I'm saying this, Bob, I admit it is way easier said than done. I'm saying these things partially to reaffirm them and to clarify them for my own self. And because these are things that I do need reminders of throughout time um, and things that I value for myself, um, but they're things that I try and get very intentional with with practicing. I understand that, hey, it takes purposeful repetition to make this happen. Yeah, no, uh, of course, like repetition is that part of mastery or at least the process of mastery. And then over uh, the year or two years we've been on this podcast, just repeating these these common themes is, I guess, helping us on this process to, I guess, a better mental mindset or better mental fitness. Um, and speaking of interviews, I, I had a few interviews this week for different job places and all of my, I guess just talking to you, listening to you, just made me improvise so much quicker and, and tell just stories when people would ask you questions 
that I would surprise myself with, with my well, answer. Give, like, give, us some, give us some examples of that, because you know me. I love the good old pre-test, post-test. What did you do that you noticed is different for yourself that kind of surprised you? Well, uh, I guess somebody would ask me, like, um, I would give you examples. Like, somebody would ask me, like, why, like, what are your exact one-year, three-year, five-year goals? Um, and you know me, I just, I had that in my bag from just talking to you about it. And Bob, you're like in the class sometime in like some comic course and they ask you like some question and you're like, Oh, let me tell you my one, three and five year goals. You start talking stuff. They're like, I'm mean, actually, we're talking about the back Bob, but that's nice too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's like, I have these, uh, I guess like mini stories or, or mini like spiels or speeches or whatever prepared, like from just, talking about them over and over and having them prepared. And that's like something you mentioned of preparing for your spine fellowship presidency or your well, spine you, fellowship you were, interview. You were the one to start that with us. You were the one where this was like a year and a half ago, literally. You, I think it was like part of the podcast every single week. And I encourage you all to listen to some of these earlier episodes, not for the sake of us, but for the sake of, well, actually be funny listening to see how much we've grown and changed and probably how much we haven't in some ways. Bob, part of your intention and purpose was each week was like literally, let me tell a different story. Let me learn one new story to tell. And it might not have been about anything particular. It might have been like some of my stuff, like a dumb food analogy or something. But you practice that repetition purposely. And it's funny just to open your eyes and blink sometimes and realize, wow, that has paid off. Wow, it's been so much more seamless now. It's like, you know, you put in the good work of every day, you do, you know, three pull-ups, Right. And, you know, let's say that, you know, you can't before you're struggling, whatever. And all of a sudden you look in the mirror and it's that little bit that's accumulated over time for yourself that you might not have done otherwise. And it makes a big difference. So that strength that you have makes a big difference. It reminds me to uh, when I was an RA back in the day, um, one of the buildings I used to work at, we had this awesome tree. It was probably my favorite tree on campus. Um, oh, yes. I was at my building and that was my pull-up tree, right? That had a great strong branch on it that, you know, when I was not right there, every time I walked out of that building, they asked to pull up. That's just my tradition. That's just what I did. And again, was I as fit, as active as I, as I should have been one of those years? Probably not. But a little bit, the little things we do repeatedly each day without even thinking about it becoming a habit. That's why I'm so big on habit formation because it transforms us. And it doesn't feel like a lot because it's just part of who we are, part of what we do. And that's it, Bob, is we're we're telling these stories now. We're intentionally looking to improve. So now that we talk about the reticular activating system that we've talked about so many times, our mind naturally now gravitates towards these growth opportunities. So we not only perceive them different, but we seek them different. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, the compound effect of just doing one thing, one habit, like you said, and then it just builds up over time. Um, there, there was one analogy that you mentioned a few weeks ago that just – always stuck with me because I looked like an idiot uh, when you were telling it. Um, it was the the brake light analogy where you're driving a car and, or, or your gas light, your gas light analogy. Yep. Where you're yep. driving I a car. Here, I, I get in trouble with this because like, I'll say, I'll say something and then like somebody will say, Oh yeah, yeah, the thing you said, I'm like, you're going to have to repeat that. What did I say? <laughs> yeah. But, but for those who don't know, it's, it's, the, it's like when you, when your gas light comes on, and initially you get like a little bit of fear, but you know, you have X amount of gas left or, or for, for how many miles? Um, did you say 40? I, I forgot what the exact number was. 
yeah, um, exactly. 40. That, that's a long, that's a long distance, uh, 40 miles. Um, and when you asked me, what, what did you feel when your gas light came on for the, for the first time when you were driving or whatever? Um, and I was like, I felt terrified. <laughs> I don't think that was the answer you're looking for, but, um, it no, made me realize. And sometimes we have to let go of expectations. Sometimes the answer I'm looking for is like you said, you were able to adapt better in the interview. The answer I'm looking for is the answer I get. I don't look for an answer. I just, okay, I get an answer. How do I adapt? Yes, yes. But I, I, I love the analogy because, I mean, I think for most people, when, when they see the gas light on, it's like, oh, wow, I should get the gas. And, and there is some, like, fear, I guess, in it. Um, maybe not, like, a tremendous fear, but, but some of it. So I just wanted to share that again because that, that just stuck with me, and, and I – Use it sometimes, uh, but I'll be using it down the line a lot. Well, and you know, it, it's also too about, you know, what's the proximity to your safety as well, in addition to that little bit, bit of fear where, okay, you're at the gas lake flow. Well, are you in the middle of the Utah desert or are you near the next corner store in New York City? Big difference there. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're right, Nick. So, Nick, uh, can you. I'm curious more about the specifics of the interview. Was there one key moment that you felt like, oh, this is this is the moment that made this interview? Or, or was it just overall? It was actually the one moment that made the one moment that made the interview was before the interview even happened. Mm. Um, so the interview Wait, was Monday. Nick, Nick. Yep. Did you have pants on? I have pants on. Yes, I did, Bob. Yes, I did. <laughs> Do you know what I'm referring to? Um, I'm assuming pants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Bob. I, 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 hundred percent know exactly what you're referring to. But, but please disclose this. Okay, so this was like <laughs> a year ago. You're you're applying to your residency. This was for your residency interview that that you're almost finished with. Absolutely. And you you had an interview in California, and you're from New York. You're from Ithaca, New York, which is the other side of the country. So you had to take a plane from New York to California for an interview. Um, and this was your, I think this was your first time going to California, but you went to California. Um, this was my second time because I was there for clinical once, but yeah. Okay. So it's your second time going to California. Either way, it's a long distance. Um, you pack your suitcase, the only one suitcase, you go to California and the airport loses your suitcase. Loses my suitcase. That includes your pants, right? That includes, that includes my almost everything. I was wearing a short t shirt, dude. And uh yeah. my, my suit, my pants, my tie, my, yeah. my dress shoes. It was not pretty good. Um, and I th- I think I had my deodorant. No, I didn't even have my deodorant deodorant still. That's right. Yeah, you you had nothing. <laughs> and then you, you went to your friend's house. Yeah, thank you, God you I didn't still have my water. Phone. I still have my phone and a credit card, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, you went to your friend's house who didn't have running water or something. <laughs> Um, and then you have to go to buy a suit that day for the, cause your interview was the next day. So it, it was process, but go ahead. Sorry to interrupt your, uh, no, your, Bob, this, your this is the now. power of stories is, is joyful. Right. And we, these memories where it's like, Hey, we perceive this fear and immediate danger it gives us perspective later on just to reinforce that and just to, to celebrate these moments, whether it's good, bad, ugly or otherwise, and just, Man, we need just to have more campfires and storytelling. Well, maybe less campfires out in California. They get too many fires. But <laughs> more time, good storytelling, man. It, uh, I think that's part of the genuine human connection, what makes us human, and just relating to each other like that. And just, man, whether it's bad food analogies or 
crazy war stories or forgetting clothes or somebody taking clothes, whatever it is, man. Good dude. You got you to gotta take a, a breath, take a moment to celebrate that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's great. It's part of this podcast, telling stories, um, manifest mindset, mental fitness, all these great things. And speaking so, of telling stories and speaking of the interview details, uh, and Bob is like, oh, my gosh, sorry, he's actually like talking about a side tangent. That's actually what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> this is a first ever. But talking about the side tangent, that is the interview. It was storytelling. It was – I had – um, I thought it was going to be more people, but during this COVID time, I guess more limited, we had four people there in person. And then in addition to the four of them in person, it was two people uh, over Zoom as well. And these people were all kind of head lead people um, in their respective field, in their respective area. And so one of them was the um, director of my residency and of the Spine Fellowship. The other one, another person, was kind of a overall, um, they basically ran one, one of the Kaiser facilities. Actually, we had three separate people that ran. Um, there were a whole, like, area coordinators or whatever you call it. They basically ran all physical therapy for that specific region within Kaiser. So that was kind of the head person and three others. And one of those three others, um, she already, um, she was probably the most clinical um, head that we have where she went through, a, she, was a, she was a physical therapist, went through a um, residency, went through a spine fellowship, went through a bunch of extra advanced cre- um, credentials after that, and then eventually um, took over that part of physical therapy for Kaiser. We had another clinician in there who he has completed four fellowships. Um, I'm not saying nobody else has, but it's hard to imagine too many other people ever doing that for four physical therapy fellowships. Um, we have other, we had the other person who she was there as she was the, she is the director of physical, physical therapy for Kaiser for Southern California. And so it was, it was a crowd, man. It was great. It was a riot. I was nervous. Um, but I was also calm, patient and present with both them and myself in there. And there's really just a time of, storytelling only two of them knew me well one of them kind of knew me and three um were complete strangers they just heard from my application and word of mouth from other people and different references um so it's a time to paint the canvas of who i was what i'm going to do and kind of the why behind why i'm going to do what i'm going to do and what i'm going to take this opportunity from the program and give back and why why at the heart of it I really want this and why I'm the best candidate for them. Yeah. I I guess just to recap, it's Nick and a whole bunch of important, high esteemed physical therapist people. So and, right. and Nick, Nick, Nick Nick and six others. <laughs> and Nick did um told stories and then painted the canvas like he said. Um and I think just to go on a side tangent of this side tangent. Those are my favorites. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm no expert in um, interviews or or doing interviews. I mean, I get nervous just like everybody else. Um, and I stumble over my words. I say, um, I like a lot. Uh, there I go again. But I think storytelling in an interview just makes the big difference. Like somebody asks you, like the interviewer asks you, 
So, Bob, why do you want to work here at this facility? What, what makes you different? You can either say, uh, I'm motivated, and that's that. <laughs> or you can say, I'm motivated because blah, 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 and tell, like, a whole story, like, lasts for a few minutes, um, and get the person engaged, ask questions to them, figure out why they're there, why they're passionate about their place here, um, and, and just having a conversation of, of human connection, like, like you mentioned before. Absolutely. And so I think for me, two of the more powerful stories, and I don't necessarily get into the details of each of them unless um, we're curious, the two of the more powerful stories that um, I told was one of my mission, my perspective, and um, kind of my reason for getting into physical therapy, getting into health in the specific um, way I want to carry that out and what experiences I've had that have led me to that. And two was about this greater vision I had about what life looks like for me outside the fellowship. And I did that strategically because these people who are involved who are potentially inviting me into the fellowship, they already know what the fellowship looks like, right? I'm asking questions to get an understanding, and I already, I'm demonstrating I have a decent understanding of the fellowship and a decent understanding of what it looks like throughout the year so that I know that, hey, my expectations are on pace with theirs. But I'm not telling them what my year in the fellowship is going to look like, right? That's almost that's almost pointless. They know what it's going to be like to an extent. They know they're going to be the judge of that based on my qualities, based on my character, based on everything else, my track record that I've presented. And so it doesn't make sense for me to make an argument about why I would fit into them for that year, right? I want to show them the best of myself about the perspective that I have going into the fellowship that year and then take a snapshot for the one year later and show them after all that what I've been through, what I've grown, what I've gained, that all that I can achieve. Because what I'm doing there, Bob, is I'm taking, I'm giving them the pre-test, post-test. I'm giving them that. And they already, they're, they're, they run that program, dude. They already have the internal bias that their program is freaking badass. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it, right? Agreed? Yeah. Like, well, like, what business owner would go speak out the best of the best if they're like, yeah, my business is okay? <laughs> Great. That, that, that's bullshit. So they, they're already invested. They know it's something unique and special. And I do too. That's why I'm chasing after it. And I'll be honest, maybe this level of depth of thought, of, of this depth of strategy might not have been there. Um, it wasn't my intention, but it turned out the right way. So I'm actually, I'm excited by reflecting this way and what it brings. I intentionally painted the picture so that they can see who I am coming into that. That's what I'm the expert at. They're the expert and have a positive bias towards their thing. So I leave that be for the most part, but show it, demonstrate enough to know that we're lined up and I can fit into that. But then I show them where I will go, not want to go, where I will go after that and lead with it, but be adaptable enough to fit it. And so they're, when they hear those two things, they're going to evaluate how well can this guy fit into our picture, right? And they, and they have a blueprint face out of anybody that applies to the program and say, how well can they fit in? And here's the thing. I didn't give them that much. So if I'm a little bit vague, a little bit ambiguous, with some detailed example of how I've succeeded so far and where I'm going to go, it's going to be easier for me to fit their mold because there are a little bit less things clashing with the stories. So I'm intentional about the stories I tell. But then compared to some other candidates, and I wasn't in an interview, so I don't know, let's say they focus on more of what I will do during fellowship, right? And that might be great and all, but as soon as there's something that's, like, extremely conflicting or kind of weird, that, flows up, that throws off just a little bit of a red flag. 
And so I'm not saying this is an opportunity for everybody because for a normal employer, right, it's not about, hey, what are you going to do after you quit your job? No, that doesn't make the most sense, dude. It's like I'm hiring you for the job. So talk about that a little bit. Um, but for this, they are very much about how do you make this specific part of physical therapy better for the future. And so I, I took my time and I tapped into that. I love it. It's like um, all those six people had a pretty good canvas of what the program was going to be like or, or what the program is. And then you right. just added more details to the canvas, the outer layers, an extra layer outside of the, that canvas that they already had and made it into an even better. Dude, I freaking I I I love that analogy because the analogy works so well, like there's a blank canvas there. But if I walk in like it's a truly blank canvas, I just paint my picture. And, I, and I'm lucky or fortunate if my picture happens to line up with the picture that they have and the part that I painted over. Right? If I if I start drawing like, I'm trying to think like a pond with some ducks because I know you like ducks. Um, <laughs> swimming around and stuff. And like their picture is like, you know, a starry night or something like that, right? It might be nice. You might see some stars like reflecting in the water. But then when I when I see the sunrise, it's like, oh, it's a little conflicting. I don't know about this dude, right? Um, what's actually going on in this picture? Then, like, I draw, like, a snowy tundra, and they got, like, a green meadow going on. And it's just like, ah, oh, you know, maybe. He, he might work. I can see some good qualities in that picture. Um, but if all of a sudden I paint who I am outside of it, and they can see me walking into the scene, and then how I come out after it, and then everybody's biases. But, again, I've gotten better at checking my own bias, but everybody's biases is, okay, you came in a certain way, you had X experience, and then you came out and you did so much, you, you did amazing things, right? Your bias is that experience made you better and you took everything you could out of it, that it was the effect of that experience. And that's what we're tapping into with this. Wow. But this canvas analogy. Last week we had the – I don't even know what, what we had last time. Was it the, the eating analogy, the sushi analogy? The one before that we had the gas light analogy. This week we had the canvas analogy. This is this is great, Nick. I love this. All right, gas, sushi, and canvas. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think this is like this is like a solid interview, I guess, tactic or, or solid interview like tips. I mean, again, we're both no experts in interviews. No, but... no, we're no experts. But I would say too, it's to again, this is me reflect just to be you know, very present with this. Did I have strategy going in? Absolutely. But this is me reflecting more so on the art of storytelling after. And the same can be said for just sitting around getting to know somebody where you talk about kind of who you are in a way and you make sure that they can fill in part of the story too. You give them a, an opportunity to be included. That way it's not just a lecture, but it's an interaction. And so there are more ebbs and flows to a conversation that way if I intentionally leave a part strategically for you to fill in. Um, but again, when you're going with an interview, it's not about the intention of how can I maximize my strategy. I keep a few aces in the pocket. Absolutely. I always keep aces in the pocket. I'm waiting for them to ask that certain question. I know they're going to ask. I know they're going to bite on. And I'm ready. I keep those aces in the hole. But it's not about the strategy. You've got to remember the essence of it. It's about who you are and leveraging that. And if, that, and if who you are happens, to come out well in a strategy because you are good at articulating and communicating what you value, then that's very different than I'm being strategic 
I'm analyzing the gameplay, and I'm telling a story because I want to pull their certain heartstrings for that intention. It might have the same exact result. One of them, you're going to sleep a little bit better. You're going to make better decisions with throughout the rest of your life because you have that intention. That intention is going to fuel not only what you're currently doing and how you feel about success when you get it, because it's going to reinforce the message, hey, I got this opportunity because I'm strategic. Yeah. Versus I, I, I got think... this opportunity because I'm the person who I am. Huh. Interesting. I I would I think for me I would I guess clarify or add on to, to this I guess this, this quote unquote strategy. I guess it's just I guess having a human connection, like storytelling, like we were talking about in the beginning, of how storytelling is just human connection. It's the the bare bone human connection and just going back and forth between a person and another person, another human being and a human being that's yourself. Um, And that's pretty much what the interview is. I think, especially me or or anybody, just we hype up this interview as in it's something big or something. We totally over-formalize it. And like there are formalities to it totally, right? You got to like, like if we're going like these like old historic metaphors, you got to like, you got to know the mate. You got to know the mating dance. You got to know the mating call, right? You got to know what some of these kind of weird norms are that you got to figure out. You got to have the nuances. But it's like, dude, just be you and make it happen. Yeah, I uh, I have no idea what the maiden dance is. Um, okay, but, okay, so what I'm going back to, right? Is it like I don't know, give me no, some no, I, Bob. Whether it's I, like a possible mango or some kind of parakeet or whatever, right? They got yeah. this style of communication. And so if you go in there, right, if you're like, if you're, if you're looking like, you know, you want to end up on Wall Street and you go walking in like the next hippie down the block, I'm not saying you can't get it, but you got to break down some barriers first. Yes. Yes. I, I understand. It's like when you have the canvas, you need to have that right paintbrush. You can't use a stick to draw or you can't you use got, a stick to draw. You got to know the genre. You got to know the genre a little bit. <laughs> yeah. right? it's like, yes. It's okay. Are, are we going in for some smooth jazz? Are we going like old-fashioned twang country? Are we like going like heavy metal stuff? Are we going like some hip-hop? Like that affects the outcome a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You got to still have some preparation, but – Again, I still think at the end of the day, it's just genuine human connections with that formality attached for those interviews like you mentioned. Absolutely. Nick, I think today was a solid, solid episode. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, It was great. Now, before I get off this call, right, are we going to have one more podcast before you take your boards or are boards in between that? Um. We're going to have one more podcast. So my, my boards are the 28th. Today is the 15th, I think, okay. of October 2020. Um, in, that, in that case, we're good. I, I couldn't let you get off the hook otherwise, but we are good, my friend. Okay. We're, well, we've got, still got one more accountability. Uh, just just to really just talk about that. Just real quick, just to get it on the podcast. Um, I've been doing well. I've been passing all my practice exams. There's a 997 percent chance I'll pass my boards according to the Pete. Um so <laughs> I think I'm pretty good, solid solid wise, but I'm still gonna keep on taking my practice exams, keep on studying. Uh but I know I'll pass and it's something that I'm looking forward to. Next what do you got for accountability? Okay. I got something golden. So we're done through these uh 
for a busy season through certain stages. And again, I got tons more other stuff coming up. Looking forward to changing mentors and everything. Um, for me, I already scheduled a mock practical. So I got my true practical examination for my manual therapy certification. And that's going to be in mid-December. I've got a mock one that I scheduled with a good friend of mine. who He has his uh, manual therapy fellowship, been through a lot of advanced training and did some of his own teaching. He's been gracious enough to run me through an online mock practical examination. And we've got that scheduled for late November. And so by that time, I will have gone through all of the course material um, for um, for the NAOMS manual therapy examination, which is a lot. It's hefty, um, but I know I need to do it to get the most out of this. I love it. So in addition to the residency, and I guess there's probably more to the Spine Fellowship interviewing hiring process, um, and this, I guess, mock interview for the uh, NIOMS. I love it. Absolutely, dude. All right, Bob Chang, stay strong. Keep a sharp mind and tell more stories, dude. You as well, Nick. Take care.